You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is going on, y'all? We are back. It is another edition of No Bets Bar, this time for UFC 284. We're heading down under Perth, Australia, champ versus champ. Number one, pound for pound, going up against number two, pound for pound. Islam Makashev taking on Alexander Volkanovsky. I'm hyped. I can't wait. How are we feeling, Jed? I don't know. It's a really good question, honestly. <laughs> Hey, uh, the main event is great. The co-main event is a really good fight. Um, and there's some other things going on here, but I also, I am nervous. I never get nervous before fights, but I just super don't want Alexander Volkanovsky to win. Um, really? Yeah. It will just annoy me infinitely. So... <laughs> I mostly just want. I, I need more detail on this. I need more explanation of why this would annoy you if if Alexander Volkanovsky won. Because I have inadvertently become an Alexander Volkanovsky hater, and this was not intentional. I did not. I used to like him a lot. This was not a plan, but he is insufferable now, man. And like that's half of it. I'll be honest. Like real talk, it, it probably started. Uh, when John Anik was just like, the same sort of thing happened with Max Holloway, where John Anik was like, Max Holloway's greatest featherweight of all time. Everybody agrees. Like, that's both not, both of those statements are very not true. And that like soured me on to Max, but nothing Max ever did soured me on it. It was just this other thing. Volk is, he used to be really cool, and now he is just the pits. And it kills me, man. Like, You've heard it all in the build-up to this. We heard it for the last year. Uh, I love it when people are underestimating me. Like, nobody's underestimating you. No one has. Probably in your whole life. No, you have not led a life of being disregarded. You were a professional rugby player. It is not like you grew up and were like, ah, I always had the worst. They're like, no. And even your fighting career, you have been a betting favorite for almost every one of your fights. And the few fights you haven't, it was like a plus 100 underdog. Ah, they were underestimating me against Max the third time. No, you didn't prove shit. You proved nobody wrong in the third one. You were a minus 240 favorite. It is this psychopathic, I, the world is against me, and I have a chip on my shoulder. Like, you don't have to be that way. You could just be cool, and he's not. And, like, he used to be really cool when he had just won the belt and was like, and I know that other people gave him shit for this, but I was never one of, like, I don't really want to just fight Max over and over again. I want to clean out my division. That is absolutely true and worthy of respect. He ain't cleaned out shit. And then he was just like, well, I keep beating Max, so now I'd like to fight for the lightweight belt. He's beaten three ranked featherweights. Like, it is just, I want him, he is a great fighter, and I love watching him compete. But if he could never speak again, it would friggin' rule. And wow. If wow. He if he could this never fight, speak again, it would rule. Yes, because he was super fun when he was just doing cooking with Volk and not being this like absolute lunatic who thinks that the world is disrespecting him because they are picking a guy to beat him in a fight or whatever. Like, and, and they weren't even doing that. It is 
I cannot. There are. This is a, a later life soapbox that I have gotten on. Like I this, think my, this is quite the soapbox that that you're getting on here. I, look, I think Michael Jordan broke American fandom and in general, like sports fandom across the world, because everybody like lionizes Michael Jordan. And I'm not here to debate whether he's the greatest basketball player of all time or not. I, I don't want to believe he is, but I'll stipulate. Sure, he's the greatest. Has nothing to do with this. I can't. There are few people in the world I am more confident would absolutely suck to hang out with than Michael Jordan. Because every story you have ever heard about that man is that he is a huge asshole. Because he doesn't, he can't. He cannot relate interpersonally. Everything is a competition, be it for $5. And it's become, it became a meme from the last dance or whatever. It's just like, that isn't a good quality in a human. And it's a super annoying one. And Volk has really internalized that. You you think that's how Alexander Volkanovsky is? He's yes. Like- the entire, for the last year, every, every single interview he has given coming into this it is the, I can't, I'm excited to prove people wrong. I love to be underestimated. And, ah, well, don't go changing the story on me. When I win, none of yous can come back and say this shit. Like, you got to keep that same. Nobody cares, man. We are not. If you win or lose, that is a testament to your greatness and ability. It is not a reflection on you personally. And moreover, why do you give a fuck? You are one of the best fighters in the world. You are the best fighter in the world. Can you not just be cool with that and like own it? Like it it just doesn't need. And he was so dope when he was coming up and when he won the belt, he friggin' ruled cooking with Volk was awesome. His energy was great. And now like literally I genuinely believe it is because some people on the internet were fanboys for Max and it broke his brain. And now everyone is disrespecting him and he does. I don't get the respect I deserve. Like, well, that's, that's life, man. Not everyone's going to love you, respect you. Just be cool with it. And like, this is it. If he comes in and beats his Makachev, it will be an incredible accomplishment. He will be the deserved lightweight champion and the deserved number one pound for pound fighter in the world. And frankly, he will probably start having the conversation of, is he the greatest fighter of all time? And, Frankly, if he wins this fight, he may well be. Like, that is absolutely, certainly on a skill-for-skill basis, possible. But it will be insufferable because he won't be cool about it. And it's just like, I just can't. I want him to get checked, get humbled here, and then just go back to being a dope-ass featherweight and beating the hell out of the other people. That (laughs) would be great. What what is it that, like... What makes you so mad that every once in a while he just mentions getting disrespected? Like because it is not every once in a while. It has been almost every interview for the past year. And for how long? How long does he spend on that? I mean, like, dude, he did get a little bit disrespected. Like the Max fanboys are like bloodthirsty about this, and he went sure. out there and just That's shut the out. Do you know Holiday. how many people say mean shit about me? Do you think I care? Do you think that I internalize that to do something? No, because but not, not everyone is going to love you. I, I know I'm not him, but I can not enjoy the way he reacts to something like You this. keep talking about how like he was so cool coming up and now he's insufferable. Like it feels like because he's the champion now, that's why you're hating on him. No, he was cool all the way up through until the, the third max fight. He was good. Because he didn't ever say shit like this. He all he's just like, Yeah, like this I don't really fight, care. I just want to beat the guys. And then this the, fight the Max trilogy and this fight. 
have been who is really giving this man a chance in this fight i may i may pick him i have not figured out yet uh because it's really hard for me to think but he's not he's only a, he's minus he's a plus 300 underdog that's not a that's a big underdog that's not a big underdog that's not let's he, he's a three to one underdog like that's or four to one three no it's three to one three that's to one. That's big, but that is not a like. It is no. That is not a no chance. That is a. It's unlikely that you're going to win this fight, which totally makes sense. And this this is not. I also want to be clear. This is not strictly a Volkanovski problem. This is probably a little bit of me getting old man. Um, because like it it does sound very old manish. It sounds like a very negative, hateful ass monologue. Well, probably. Well, I hateful is my bread and butter. That's where I make my money, baby. Uh, but like it, it is certainly not just him. There are other fighters who have this. But like you know, it was dope. Glover Teixeira never once was like nobody believes in me. He was just like this is cool. I just like to fight. I'm I think I'm pretty good. Like and and people actively did. I among them actively disrespected that man. And he was a, he was this level of an underdog for every damn fight he had. And he just came out and did the work. It was cool and a great hang. And it's it is I I just want that to be less. I, I don't it, everything is not a slight on your personhood and it's okay for people to be like, you know, and I don't think you're going to win this fight. And that's, that shouldn't be viewed as disrespect. I'm not saying he didn't say, face some of it because MMA fans are huge assholes. Like it, it, any group of fans can, will have big piles of them, but it, 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 it really feels like leading into that trilogy fight with Max. He made like a very, decisive turn of a corner uh, certainly at least in my estimation of it maybe it's just entirely me can't ever doubt can't ever cross that out entirely but it's like it yeah but i don't have cool this like really this vivid fight. recollection of this of like him just like constantly going back to being disrespected leading up every to the every single interview he talks about i am excited to be the underdog and people counting me out and disrespecting me i i genuinely believe that you if you went back to all of his interviews it is a recurring theme in the pre-max fight or pre this fight. I think pre-max fight coming into that because the the energy in that max trilogy fight was, well, you lost the second one. No, I didn't, or whatever. And that's the thing. Like I, I was more okay with it then because it the disrespect, it it felt actively more disrespectful as opposed to being like, well, I just don't think you're going to win the fight. And also, like you know. It's that's a tense situation. It's exhausting, et cetera. Like face this guy three times. I'm willing to, you know, maybe this isn't who you are. It's just a circumstance, but this happens two fights in a row. And it's just like, okay, man, like if this is just where we're at, are, are you, are you going to have this energy when you fight the winner? If you hear Rodriguez, Josh Emmett, cause that's going to, that's going to drive me insane. I, I don't know, but that's kind of the point. I just want this to be over. And if it's over and he wins, my guess is he's probably just going to continue to be insufferable in that way because he won't go back God, to featherweight. I really don't see how you think he's insufferable. Like my viewpoint on Volk is he's just like a pros pro, hardworking ass dude that is been unbeatable in the featherweight division to this point in his career. All of those are true. Like that, that has nothing to do with the personality set. All of that is true. He is unbeatable, works his ass off, brilliant fighter, incredible tactician. Like this is not to take away from the fighter, but I, when he goes on aerial show on Monday or whatever, if he's won, 
it will be, you know, he's he's not going to fight the winner of Rodriguez Emmett if he wins. He's going to fight the next lightweight guy. And he's probably going to be a betting under, maybe he won't actually if he beats Islam, he probably will be a betting favorite. But there will still be people like, I don't know, you're pretty small for this because you are. And it's just like, I don't, I'm just tired of him. I'm tired of the whole double champ thing. Uh, I hate, I hate champ champ fights. I hate them. They are the worst thing to me in this sport, almost exclusively. Why? Because they are so rarely necessary. And it's just like, I, I, and I know I am the minority in this. Like, and I absolutely understand it, totally get it. I would have much rather seen this fight two years later when it wasn't deserved and necessary. Volkanovsky has beaten three top 15 ranked lightweights. He hasn't cleaned out that division. Makachev has beaten like two lightweights. One of them, the guy, this is his first title defense. Like both of them, I I believe in divisions and that the, the true mark of a great champion is constant and repeated title defenses over a variety of challengers. That's why I hold guys like Jose Aldo and Anderson Silva and Demetrius Johnson and John Jones. Their careers an incredibly high level of esteem and neither of these dudes have done that yet. And I think it more or less, maybe this isn't the right word. It does sort of cheapen super fights where it's just like, okay, well we just want to clash these two champions together because we want to do it as opposed to, all right, well Volk has beaten everybody at featherweight and Makachev's beaten everybody at lightweight. Now's the time. Let's pull it. This feels premature and it's just, I don't know. This is a super grumpy way to start this. And that was not it my is. intention. It very my, much my is. My point being, I am not tremendously excited for this card. I just want this card to be over so we can have clarity <laughs> in both divisions, frankly. Because then it'll be like, all right, well, now, now we're doing this detour to this thing that I don't care about. I know everybody else loves it, and that's cool. Now we can get back on track, and I can see Makachev or Volk defend the lightweight belt. We can know who the featherweight champion is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You don't think the possibility of Volkanovski upsetting Islam Makachev in front of his home crowd in Australia and becoming the lightweight and featherweight champion, double champ, is a cool proposition? I don't. I, objectively, it sure is. And like the people, if that happens, the kit fans in Perth, but it does not sing to me. Like I am again, I, I totally understand I'm on an island here. I am not saying anybody needs to agree with my opinions on this one. But it this is just like I also in my head, I really I have long felt that this fight has a pretty clear outcome. And if I'm wrong, then that's probably the better case scenario for interest. But if I'm right, then this has been an enormous waste of time. Um and that, that is, I think that certainly colors my feelings about this. All right, well, let's dive right into it. Let's just jump right let's into UFC 284. Let's jump right into the main event. Lightweight championship of the world. Islam Makashev taking on Alexander Volkanovsky, 23-1 and against 25-1. and Both of them have over 10 fight winning streaks. I mean, unbelievable records going up against each other. The Dagestani wrestler, you know, the Australian, uh, uh, the scrappy Australian that's been, uh, you know, slept on his entire career. Underdog story. Everyone has doubted him every path that he's made. Uh, and right now they're doing it again. They're doing it again. Islam Makashev minus 365. Alexander Volkanovsky has never lost in the UFC octagon coming in at plus 300. The floor is yours. 
the the Makashev master. We we know what you did last time out, Makashev, Charles Oliveira. We're here to hear you do it again. How do you see this one playing out? There, there's one fact about this fight that gives me some level of pause. Everything else makes me think as a Makachev should do as a Makachev thinks to Alexander Volkanovsky. The I will I will throw the countervailing fact because it is the one thing that has legitimately makes me really question my read here, and it's this will be the seventh champ champ fight in UFC history. Uh, in the previous six of them, the lighter fighter has won four of those. The the two uh, that were not the case, Jan Blachowicz, uh beat Israel Adesanya, and George St. Pierre beat BJ Penn. I think those are fairly instructive in some ways, but the other four times, you know, um, Amanda Nunes, Chris Cyborg, trying to think the other ones off the top of my head, uh, they all went to the, the lighter fighter. That is the thing that it that makes me think like, uh-huh. I mean, that's a pretty small sample size, but that's not a stat that's great for me. Otherwise, I it is hard for me to see a, how Volkanovsky wins. And I, I'll couch that by saying this. The style matchup here is is pretty, seems at least to me pretty evident of, you know, Makachev does want to get this to the ground. Volkanovsky will primarily want to keep this on the feet. Uh, both men are very competent in the other areas of the game, so we will get mixing of the martial arts. However, the the key fact for me here is Volkanovsky has the last time, really he's only faced one guy who has actively tried to take him down a bunch. Chad Mendez. Chad Mendez succeeded. Now, we couldn't keep him down. Chad Mendez was not really able to keep Volkanovsky. He was really good at popping back up. I would venture to say that Islamakhtev is a much better uh, control artist on the ground than Chad Mendez. That Mendez fight was many years ago as well, so Volkanovsky certainly improved in that regard. We'll also say that Max Holloway had success scoring takedowns, but more importantly, kind of the the way Volkanovsky has spoken about this fight coming into it, those are things that make me think, I'm not sure that that's the right way to go. And what I, what I mean by that is he's spoken pretty clearly about like putting on some weight and that he is a, he's strong as a brick house or whatever. Like he's really, really super strong. I have no doubt about it. That man was uh, played rugby. He, he looks strong. He has never looked like a weak man at featherweight. I'm confident he is a very strong individual. I think the idea of trying to match strength for strength with Islamakachev is a horrifically stupid and bad one. Um, because one, Islamakachev is also exceedingly strong and exceedingly strong with 10 pounds on him. And also that, that we're talking about a dude who grappled for his entire life with Habib Nurmagomedov, who is widely like universally considered one of the pound for pound strongest people to compete in this sport. You had guys like Luke Rockhold and Daniel Cormier, Olympic two time Olympian, Daniel Cormier being like, I don't like, I don't understand Habib's strength. I don't think matching strength is the is the course here. I think Volkanovski's big edge is in the speed. But if he's adding on weight, I don't know if that's going to be there. A lot of this is a long-winded way to say the dynamics here. I think Volkanovski can have success on the feet because he's a better striker than Islam. I don't he also is not a one-hitter quitter. That has never been Volkanovski's game. He can hurt accumulatively, but I don't, that seems like that's a pretty tough proposition to be like, I am going to stuff every takedown of Islam Akachev and outpoint him on the feet. 
seems way more likely that he will have some success on the feet and then he'll get taken down and then he's just going to get smushed and that that's how this fight goes out more times than not. How's your read on this? Unfortunately, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I'm just going over to my head and like the finishing ability of Volkanovsky is really not lethal. Like you said, it's, it's, he doesn't have that one hitter quitter. Uh, and yeah, Islam Makashev's one loss is him getting flattened. Uh, you know, he got caught, uh, that one time. I don't really see that happening against Volkanovsky and the most likely path to victory for Volkanovsky would having be having to stuff the takedowns and outpoint him on the feet. Like, can he do that for 25 minutes? And we've seen him get taken down, not just by Chad Mendez, but by multiple fighters. And we saw him in trouble on the ground just recently against Brian Ortega. Sure, he's got 10 more pounds. Sure, he's a strong dude. But so is Makashev. Like, Makashev is strong. Makashev is a natural lightweight. Like, it's just really hard for me to see Volkanovsky winning this fight. Like, it, it just, like, things have to happen. Like, I mean, look at, look at like, Leon. Like, I, I felt very confident in Usman winning that fight. And the way that Leon got out of it, a one-hitter quitter, man. Caught him, put his lights out, and that's how he ended it. If, if it went to the points, he loses that one easily. Like, I just, uh, I just have a hard time with, with how good Islam Makashev is, too. Like, this isn't like... This is this isn't your normal champion that hasn't fought the the strongest of competition in the UFC. Like this is Islam Makashev. This dude is an absolute beast. I think Makashev gets it done. But here's what I did: can't can't bet against Volk. I am a Volk fan. I like Volk. Have liked Volk for for a long while now. Uh, think he's just a man. Can't bet against Volk. What I did can't bet on him either because I just have a hard time seeing him winning this fight. What I did do in support of him, how I'm finding a way to somewhat bet on Volk. I took the over two and a half. I think he oh, I love it. survives. I think he lasts. Even if he does get taken down, like the dude is a dog. The dude is strong. The dude is 25 and one and hasn't lost in X number of years. I think he can make it past the halfway mark in the third round. I love it. So I, I, I have that um, as a parlay piece as, as well. So with you, cause I think uh, uh, my other bet here is I'm taking Makhachev inside the distance at minus 110. I frankly don't feel very good about that bet um, because we haven't, it's, Volkanovsky hasn't really been finished, but Makhachev, uh, again, I think he's just going to get to his spots and it's a, it's going to wear down Volkanovsky over time. Uh, and we get a sort of late finish after, I, I can't tell whether it's going to be a sub or, or TKO, but it's just after Makachev gets to do Makachev things for a really long time. Volk sort of eventually loses that. That's that's my read that's how I play it. But I also have the two and a half as a parlay piece. Here's Let me ask you two questions on this fight. Because I frankly, this is by far the most interesting fight on the card to me. Um, and the oh, only God, one I really yeah. have a ton of thoughts on. Uh, I have the other... I won't say it's a concern, but the other thing that I do want to note, uh, because I think it is potentially relevant, though probably not. Weigh-in's going to be different for this. We're going back old school. The weigh-ins are are at 6 p.m. Eastern time Friday. So there's not the morning weigh-ins that we traditionally have because it's in Australia, et cetera. So that is, you know, what's that, like seven, seven less hours for Makachev to rehydrate. We know that he cuts a lot of weight. It's a big weight cut. Um, 
I, I don't know if that will play a factor. My guess ultimately is that it won't, but I just want to throw that out. I do think that that is a, another slight advantage in Volkanovski's favor, along with the crowd, along with no Habib, et cetera, et cetera. He also weirdly has a one-inch reach advantage. Oh, yeah. But no, Volk has, um, has, has like a pretty good wingspan um, on him. He's just short. Uh, but here's the other thing. What do you think if Volkanovsky comes out and tries to wrestle Makachev? Because I have always been interested in that as a po- as a strategic possibility, not specifically in this fight, but in a, like in Habib fights as well. Because my for Habib's whole run, I never picked against him, and every time I I broke it down to the simplest possible explanation of we we know what both parties want to do in this fight. One of these. Uh, is is the thing that this guy has been doing. So we know that in every Habib fight, he wants to take him down, he wants to beat you up on the ground. So in every fight, the opponent doesn't want to get taken down. Well, that's you trying to do something that you might be good at, but isn't the entire focus of your game, whereas literally every moment of Habib's life since he was 12 has been working <laughs> to do that thing. So I'm going to side with the guy who's trying to do the thing that he is very, very good at, as opposed to the guy who's trying to not do something or not allow it to happen. feel the same here, but that's why I've always wondered, like, if we look at Makachev's career, yes, he has that lost Adriano Martins, the kind of weird fluky-ish, the flu- I know fluky's a, a loaded word, loss, but the other fight where he arguably had the most difficulty was Armand Sarukian. I thought he won the Sarukian fight pretty cleanly, but still... Sarukian had a lot of success because Sarukian can grapple his ass off and took the fight to him. Volkanovsky, really good offensive grappler. And I wonder if that's something he will come because you're taking Islam out of his preferred comfort zone. He is no longer the hammer. He's no longer the guy who's getting to do the thing he wants to do. He is now reactive in a way that he is probably not as comfortable fighting in. So do you have any thoughts on that? Because I've I've wanted to see this happen for years. I'm not going to lie. I mean, now with Makachev, I think that's an incredibly interesting prospect. Will he do it? I don't know. I mean, you got to be a sick man to go in there and be like, I'm going to grapple Islam Makachev. But I mean, maybe Volkanovski is is exactly that. Uh, man, if he does it, I will retract. I won't retract every bad word I said, but I won't speak ill of Alexander Volkanovski anymore. I mean, we've got the whole time monologue. Lose. Well, we're we're gonna have to publish that somewhere. The the monologue uh, if if he does become double champ. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, all right. The other side of that Islam is also been, that uh, you're about been to talking. Say what to, I was going to. Uh, you go ahead. You go ahead. No, no, no. Go for it. I was going to say that Islam this whole time has been talking about how he's going to come in here and strike with with Alexander Volkanovsky when all he has to do is go in and take him down. What if they're both just going to... What if Islam is the one trying to stuff takedowns and he's trying to give it on the feet and Volkanovsky is the one trying to get it to the ground? Well, that would be awesome. Um, (laughs) I... I don't tend to buy that from Islam. Uh, I think he'll do some striking because he's been willing and it's, it's easier to set up takedowns when you are not single minded in doing that. Uh, I also think he can compete though. I believe in a straight kickboxing match, he would lose to Volkanovsky. The other side of my potential argument is Islam again, spent most of his life training with Habib. So I suspect he knows how to fight against a guy who's trying to, to wrestle him. Pretty well, so yeah, I might think, not be a winning path for Volk. 
All right, so Armin Sarukian landed one, and uh, Tiago Moises also mm-hmm. landed one. Uh, so a combined two takedowns landed on Islam Makhachev in his lengthy UFC career. Now, my question for you is, do Adriano Martins and Corey Nelson get in a bar together and watch this fight? <laughs> and just be like, yep, we're the two. We're the two that did it. You know, I hope they do. I wonder what Corey Nelson is is up to these days because Adrian Martins was a, a good fighter. Um, Corey Nelson, it, I, I can't say that I know much about the man. <laughs> um, uh, he fought Robert Whitaker, lost, but he did fight him. Yeah, and that sort of is my read, you know, and having never really watched him fight, is he was just sort of a, a regional guy in that, and he was much bigger than Volkanovski because this was a welterweight contest. So, uh, yeah, I, I hope that they share, like, DMs on Instagram or whatever. I'm like, hey, man, you watching this? Corey Nelson. We're, we're the chosen ones. Yes, I was going to say, I like. I hope that Corey Nelson goes to a bar every time Volkanovski fights and he just gets rip-roaring drunk and he's just he like, dude's ass. I'm the one! I'm the one! Uh, Corey, you're, you're six inches taller than him and had a 13-inch reach advantage and uh, he was up six weight classes from winning normal fights. Out of, I still beat him! I took him out! Also, I, also, I so Corey had like 15 fights. It was Volk's fourth. <laughs> but... Look, you can only fight the guys who they put in front of you. Exactly. And he fought the guy that put in front of him. So there you go. Uh, yeah. So uh, at the end of the day, I don't really know what's going to happen. I'm with you. I have a fairly strong feeling that Volkanovsky gets taken down, has some success on the feet. But at the end of the day, like it's just not enough. And and Islam is able to to put his will onto Volkanovsky and and he gets it done. Either I'm going to say either a, a later rounds finish or or gets it done by like a pretty clear like 49-46 decision. I think I'm again, I, I think he's gonna get the finish in the end. The other thing, just to quickly throw it out and we can move on. Uh I will be interested to see what uh how how much Volkanovsky goes with the leg kicks. Uh, it is not, it, it's a big part of his game. It is not a, a big is maybe not the exact right word. It's a weapon he uses a lot and is a important piece of the overall striking puzzle that he offers. Um, and I am, I, I want to see how willing he is to put himself on one leg against a guy who is gonna take him down. Like, yeah. I, I think think that's pretty clear so I mean, brian ortega caught quite a few of his kicks that's what led to the mm-hmm. to the triangle if i'm yeah. if i'm not mistaken yes i believe that's correct um, maybe i don't know i know the the gilly came after he kind of like it, it was a weird sort of transitional moment um that might be true on the on the triangle i'd have to go back and rewatch that fight but yeah i'm just interested to see from a purely nuts and bolts is a it's a very interesting matchup um the dynamics at play here but again i felt pretty confidently from jump that this should be islam's fight to win um if that happens i will feel vindicated and then i'll be happy that we get to have fights that i think are really really compelling uh islam and benil dariush is just just hose me down that fight speaks to me in, in a ton of levels 
Uh, and if I'm wrong, then uh, we got to witness history. Volk did something really cool. I'll just mute all of his interviews moving forward. Uh, and we can watch him not fight Benil Darius. There's almost a 0% chance he's going to fight Benil Darius. Because at that point, you're the champ champ. You're a star. You should never fight Benny Darius. Fight yeah. somebody. Wait till Connor fights Michael Chandler and is. pray that Connor beats Michael Chandler. Oh my gosh. Champ, and then you champ. can do mm -hmm. the two champ champs, featherweight, lightweight champ champs against each other. I love it. Uh, and we'll just, the featherweight and lightweight belts will just never be contested because Connor will somehow be back in the mix. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Or Islam just wins. Volk, uh, Volk heads back down to featherweight and just, dismantles whoever wins uh yeah rodriguez yeah, is gonna beat the shit out of the win yeah. of rodriguez Emmett. should this should he fight them yeah so let's move on to that it is the co-main event it is the interim featherweight championship of the world yeah rodriguez taking on josh emmett right now you can get yeah rodriguez for minus 165 josh emmett coming back at plus 140 over under set at i guess four and a half now it, it was og two and a half then three and a half four and a half minus 185 half now, yeah. uh under plus 160 uh as much of a feeling as i have on the main event i really don't know who is going to win this co-main um like it kind of feels like every time i doubt josh emmett he ends up winning the fight um uh, Yair is also a dog. He's got a pretty good chin, you know, decent gas tank. But, like, uh, on the flip side of that, like, I'm still not the biggest believer in Josh Emmett in terms of the title picture. And then, like, Yair's wins of late, like the Brian Ortega injury, like the, the literal last second pulling a win from the jaws of the feet against Zombie. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this one. I understand that. It's it's tricky. I, I've... I'm taking Yair Rodriguez, and I haven't made any bets um, yet, so be aware of that. Uh, but the bet I'm circling here is either to parlay him up, which I'll explain later, or just to take him straight. I think he's at, like, minus 165 right now. Uh, I totally get where you're coming from, though. Uh, I, this is mostly I don't believe in Josh Emmett at all. And it's funny because Yair Rodriguez is not a guy I believe a lot in. Uh, but the Max Holloway fight... You know, I know he lost, but he showed me something in that fight. He showed me, okay, he actually is turning into the guy that at one point it looked like he could be, you know, before Frankie ruined him. Um, and then the Chan Sung Jung, a fight he was getting pretty thoroughly whooped up in before the... We don't talk about it enough as the greatest KO in history in the sport, but it, like... I mean, the way that was. the elbow, the, it was the greatest angle, KO in history of the sport. angle that that came in at literally the last possible second, like of a it, fight he was losing. Yes. On the judges scorecards, he lost the fight and like, it wasn't like he just like caught him like crazy. Like it was the most insane angle of all time. Like say he loses that fight. Like we're talking about him being what two and three with one, no contest and one win via injury mm -hmm. in his last six. Yeah, it yeah, it, it's a very different story, but the margins are small. That's the sport. Conversely, I've just never been. I don't know why Josh Emmett has just never spoken to me. Um, he's delivered some good performances. He's delivered some freaking snoozers um, as well. Like it, it just he is a wrestle boxer. He's got really big power in his hands. He doesn't have a diverse way to get that off. 
But if if you can walk into the big power shots, he will put you to sleep. Um, and if not, he can wrestle you a bunch. And that's sort of uh, it's a it is a game that I will never love to be a fan of or watch. And so I will almost assuredly underestimate it at all points in time. Uh, Yair much flashier, but I think this one to me comes down to can Josh. Josh Emmett's going to probably wrestle some in this one and how successful will he be? He'll probably be some successful. Yair's not a great defensive wrestler, but I think as the fight goes on, Yair will get up and he is, I think he's just a more dynamic striker. He has more tools, more interesting stuff going on the feet. And he's got a hell of a chin. So I don't think Emmett can one hit quit him. And Josh Emmett's, you know, about to be 38. So I, I will say uh, like in, in in argument, like he has a ton of knockdowns, but I think it's six of his nine UFC wins have have come via decision. Uh, like I, I do think that Yair will be able to to survive the power. Uh, and one last thing about this fight that just never ceases to blow my mind is the fact that Josh Emmett is five six. I don't know why when I look at him, I think he's like five eleven. Uh, oh, you do, oh, dude! I always thought he was like super tall. And just like bigger for the featherweight division. And then like, I have to go back and watch, like he was so much shorter than Calvin Cater. Like he's so much shorter than every, he's going to be five inches shorter than Yair Rodriguez. No, he and Volk are like the exact same dimensions. It blows my mind. I don't know why I, I just, I don't know why that I felt like he was like five ten, five eleven, And he is just, yes, the exact same dimensions as Volk. Yeah. That's super weird. I always think of him as just like, uh, because he is like Volk, only he's and Volk, don't get me wrong, Volk is not a small man, but Josh Emmett is a is he's weirdly proportioned, <laughs> um, and there's a lot of muscles on him, like a lot, a lot of a lot, a of, lot muscles of muscles on that man. It's pretty um, amazing that the guy weighs 145 pounds. Yeah, it's pretty very very impressive that he's. Able I mean, to by, I, cool by some angles, he really does like, especially now that they're both bald. Like he looks like just like Volk. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I just will never believe in him for whatever reason. I also largely don't believe in Team Alpha Male Fighters, which is another probably blind spot in myself. Uh, I don't feel that you probably should bet on Yaya Rodriguez at these odds, uh, but I think I'm going to just because it's a... I'm doing a lot of wish casting. I'll be frank in this call. Do it, do I'm, it, doing, do it. I'm doing a lot of bets on what would be... I would enjoy more... And I don't, I, I don't know if you agree. I firmly believe Arnold Allen should have been in the interim title fight, uh, frankly, over Josh Emmett, since Josh Emmett should have lost to Calvin Cater. Um, but that's another thing. Not only is the years wins, like I really, I firmly believe that Calvin Cater should have won that fight. I, I need to go back to the receipts, but it was something like the fourth round. They someone gave it to Josh Emmett despite him getting knocked down in the in yeah. the round. It was yeah. I thought Calvin Cater won that for sure. Yeah, and so that like it's part of I think that's part of my general feeling towards this whole card. We're getting Yair, who's coming off the weird win over Brian Ortega with the shoulder injury. Even though I think that there's a, I think that it's a fairly reasonable argument to say he caused the shoulder injury. Sure. It's still like odd, certainly. And then Emmett coming off a loss, whereas Arnold Allen, you know, just quietly won thirty six fights in a row or whatever the hell it is, and doesn't get to be here. So it's. Uh, it would be better if Josh Emmett wins this, he will be like the least compelling title challenger to me in a really long time. Whereas at least if Yair wins, 
I feel better about that. So I'm, I'm I think casting Volk out might, here to win. Yeah, I think Volk might, might dog walk Josh Emmett if they fight. I think he probably dog walks either of them, but I think that the Josh Emmett fight is almost entirely uninteresting. Whereas Yair, I could at least talk myself into some some facets of it being engaging. Hey, hypothetical odds out there that you can bet on: uh, Volkanovski Yair, Volkanovski minus five hundred. Yeah, and that feels fine. Are, are there hypothetical odds on Volkanovski Emmett? Nah, it should be like minus nine. He, he would. <laughs> He would rinse that dude, and it would just be the least compelling fight. Um, again, I think he beats the hell out of, out of Yair, but I also thought Max would really tune Yair up, and, and Yair showed out. So I could at least see him being interesting or competitive in some regards. Yeah, I agree. So I'm just yeah. casting. That's all of my bets this week, guys. Don't tail me because uh, I'm probably going to lose all my money. That's, uh, that's all of your bets. My dreams. No, Everything no, no, I have more. Oh, I was about to say. Well, all of my other ones are also like mostly just hopes and dreams bets. They're not smart bets. Uh, I took the over in this one. I think it goes long. Uh, I mean, like I just said, like Josh. Yeah, you took the over four and a half. So what I did is like I don't I don't know why it's listed. I I bet online. I took the over two and a half. It, I mean, I paid a hefty price for it. It was minus two twenty five. It's minus two eighty now. So I mean, I got good line movement on it. Uh, but I mean, I think it probably goes to a decision. Uh, like I just yes. may, maybe someone gets a finish late, but seems unlikely. But yes, I mean I, I think this one I think this one likely likely goes long. Uh, so that's all I have I, on that one. Trying that I, what, I'm, what I'm trying desperately to do here on this pay per view, uh, unlike the last couple ones, is not get overexposed anywhere. Like I'm not layering any bets. I'm just okay. I got a couple parlays, but like I'm not overlapping shit. So it's not like my whole world is ruined when the main event goes to a decision, i.e. UFC 283. <laughs> uh, I also took the over two and a half. I parlayed it with the the uh, the top one, the Volk Makachev over two what, and a half. What did you get the over two and a half at in the main event? Uh, it's minus 280, I think, right now. What? No way. No, 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 no. My, oh, hold on. It looks like minus 180. Let me pull it up. I mean, I'm seeing it at most books have it at like minus 150. Oh, minus 155. Yeah. Um, oh, that's because I lied. I took the over one and a half. That's where I'm. Nice. That's what I have, which is my. Nice. I was going to say, I, Again, I, was I haven't why taken any of these bets, but these are the okay. bets I've written down that I, I took the over two and a half in that one at minus 145. So I took that one as a, just as a single. But yeah, I'm taking the over one and a half and then the over the two and a half. And then I have a third leg uh, for what I thought was going to be, you know, a. I was gonna steal your shine. It's gonna be like, let me just take some, some Connor Burke's, oh, you know, weird over fight line parlays and see how it goes. Uh, don't sleep. I got a little over one and a half magic coming later in the <laughs> podcast. Let's keep it rolling on the main card, do. though. Welterweight bout. Randy Brown taking on my guy, your guy. Finally, something I'm excited about. Everybody's guy. It is Jack Della Madalena. Minus 320 right now for JDM. Randy Brown coming back at plus 265 over under set at two and a half under minus 140 over plus 120. I don't know what you want me to say here. He's my guy. I'm riding with him till the wheels fall off. Like, yeah, sure, Randy Brown's taller. Sure, he, he has a reach advantage. Sure, he might be a better gra- grappler. I don't care. Randy Brown gets hit, and when JDM hits him, I think he might be going night-night in this one. Fantastic counterboxer, just fantastic boxer in general. JDM, that's all I got. 
I have nothing more to add, really. Um, I, I'm going to take uh, JDM by KO because Brandy Brown's losses have been largely by KO. And uh, I, I have I had a couple of resolutions coming into this year. One of them yes. was I'm always going to bet on the better athlete when there's like a pretty clear gap in that athleticism. Uh, I think that that has thus thus far borne out very well. Uh, but one of the other ones is, you know, uh, Jack JDM just keeps keeps knocking people out. So I'm just going to keep betting on him to knock people out until he doesn't do it anymore because he's only not done it one time. <laughs> so uh, just keep going with it and ride that train to the wheels fall off. So JDM by knockout. I think it's minus 110 right now. Seems like a good bet to me. Yeah, I mean, like, just let it rip. I, I think like he JDM will. JDM by knockout. Uh, Jailton by submission. Just stay riding yes. these trains. Yes. These until are my guys. These are my guys. I will be rocking a JDM shirt. First time doing it, so we'll we'll get further, curse. further curse on of alert the, of the merch curse if he does get KO'd. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, like low key secretly, like I I think it's a little bit closer than uh, than everybody's like. It's definitely closer than this betting line. I've seen a lot of people like Jack Madalena is the lock of the year. Like he is, there's no way he loses. I'm like, I mean, if he doesn't catch Randy Brown and like Randy Brown just kind of like stays at range and he's able to like you know have some success in the grappling, like this could be this could get kind of slimy. Like this could get kind of nasty. Like let's not let's not uh, sleep on the fact that like. JDM, yes, while he's looked just incredibly impressive, the level of competition hasn't been like insane. Like Ramazan Ami, that was very impressive. Danny Roberts is, is not fantastic. P. Rodriguez Not's is fine, but the Ami one is is doing the heavy lifting. Yeah, it's it's Ami. Either way, Jack Della Madeline is going to win. Like, let's just be real here, people. That's what's going to happen. Moving on to my second favorite fight of the card it's a heavyweight bout this is your second favorite fight of the card you legend you in, in order it goes jack della madalena then it goes parker porter then it goes main event parker porter. then it goes co-main then it goes loma look boon me uh justin taffa parker porter right now justin taffa is your favorite five and three fighter minus 125 porter coming back at plus 105 uh here's what i have for you <laughs> Parker Porter, the pork man, the porker. Some saying the goat, some saying potentially the next heavyweight champion of the world. He just has to get there. Fighting out of, fighting out of New Britain, Connecticut, my old stomping grounds. I had a Connecticut ID that represented the great state, the great city, the great township, I'm sorry, of New Britain, Connecticut. I me, did not realize this. Me and Parker Porter shared the same city for for a long while, repping the 860 heavy out of Hartford, Connecticut. Me and him, we we have a bond that few men share. Plus, bond I want to throw this broken. out to you. Bond that cannot be broken and will not be broken. Three and two inside the octagon, inside the UFC. All three wins coming by way of decision. And here's what you're going to get with Parker Porter. You're going to get someone that's going to come in there and just motor it up, dude. We're going to throw punches. We're going to throw I kicks. We're going to go for takedowns. I don't know how successful we're going to be with everything, but we're going to do it. We're going to try our best to win the fight. And that's something that you can appreciate <laughs> about Parker Porter. Top 10. 
Top 10 in the heavyweight division, all-time strikes landed per 15-minute. Top 5. He had a top 5 performance in the heavyweight division. Significant strikes landed in a fight with his masterclass that he put on against Chase Sherman. He does what he does, and if it goes 15 minutes, he's going to attempt like 200-some strikes and probably 10, 8 takedowns. Like We can't complain about that. And my last thing I'm going to throw out to you, last two things. First of all, uh, just on top, I got thirty twenty seven by Jared Vandera. Our prince, our yeah, our, sub, our submission that's, that's king. That's really the only fact I, I needed. In I, this just, I just want to throw that out to you. And then lastly, this is just factual numbers. I just want to throw it out to you. According to Best Fight Odds, this is just them, not me. If you bet $100 on Parker Porter by decision every single time he fought in the UFC all five times, you would be up $1,215. Oh, you lose against Jailton and Dawkins, and then plus 725 by decision against Josh Parisian, plus 450 against Sherman, plus 240 against Badeau. So what I'm throwing out to you, took it this morning, and it was the happiest I've ever been. I literally had a smile that you couldn't wipe off my face as I placed this bet. Parker Porter, by decision. I got it for plus 375 on Bet365. If you have that book available in your state, do that. I'm seeing plus 350 on DraftKings. It's a nice, tasty number for a man. That that's usually how he wins in the UFC. It's the only way he's ever won in the UFC. And he's a plus 105 underdog right now. That's that's my TED Talk on Parker Porter. Thank you very much for attending. I love your TED Talk. Um, we haven't ever really discussed this, but is it... Is it just a Wolfpack wager when we're on the exact same prop? <laughs> you you are. You are on Parker Porter yes. by decision. Let's yes. go. <laughs> Let's go. For almost, well, one, we can just start right here. Uh, the over-under on this fight is two and a half. And if you've been listening to our show, uh, this is a heavyweight fight. And, and let's be honest, this is... This is a heavyweight fight. Both oh, of man. these boys oh, man. cutting some pounds to make the 265 <laughs> limit. Uh, this is a heavyweight, and you know I am going to be taking, continuing the experiment. I think we're 2-1 and one this year on heavyweight overs. Um, now, granted, last weekend didn't even come close to speed that character. <laughs> Missed by a lot, but I'm still up monetarily because That's all that matters. It That's all that matters. Uh, so we're going to keep riding this train, taking the over two and a half. And yeah, the thing that sold me, cause I was honestly just sort of looking at Parker Porter as an underdog guy, um, specifically because <laughs> Justin Taffa lost to Jared Vantara. And so 30, 27, um, yeah, 30, 27, it's pretty tough. His, he lost to a lot of people who aren't very good and his wins are against a lot of people who aren't very good. Juan so. Adams and Harry Hunsucker. Yeah, can we just can we talk about it? Like it's tough, it's tough. And I, like, I like Juan Adams. He's a very nice man, but tough, tough scenes. I mean, this this isn't Harry Huntsucker, Justin. This, like this, this, this just isn't Harry Huntsucker. This is Parker Porter, Parker and this man, Porter. he's going to come in and he is going to try to win this fight. I mean, this guy has some great experience. Lest we forget the the matchup in two thousand eight. Some say the fight of the year. Porter Jones at WCF three. Uh, I mean, he's, That's he's been, John Jones. So we're clear. Yeah, yeah. He's been in the ring with John Jones, Gabriel Gonzaga. <laughs> I, 
I my favorite part about that fight is that it was the one time he thought oh, I can go to light heavyweight. It was his light heavyweight debut. I love this it. is weight gets thumped <laughs> by John Jones is like f that baby. Never doing that again. Yeah, his <laughs> one for the rules. His one instance in light heavyweight, he fights quite possibly the greatest fighter of all time during his ascension. Gets and I think the run over. I think the funniest part about all that is on the poster for World Championship Fighting, uh, Parker Porter and John Jones did not even make the poster. Yeah, well, why would they? You know, they didn't know they had a star like Parker Porter on their hands at the time. It was uh, only two and zero in in the game at that point. So sneaky, sneaky, weird card. Uh, I want to say, did they say? I love Kenny that you're Florian down this rabbit hole. I mean, I there's nothing better than getting. So it you looks like they the put Parker Porter rabbit hole. They put. Oh no, 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 no! Special autograph session with Kenny Florian and Marcus <laughs> Davis. Uh, they got me there. That no, was probably with Dan Lozon, baby. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Jamie Come Campbell, yeah. all-time fight. Uh, Dan, Dan Lozon, the main event over John Jones, Parker Porter. Unbelievable. Actually, it looks like uh, it looks like Dan Lozon's opponent pulled out, and he had to fight Brendan Hoxie, three and seven Brendan Hoxie, and that was actually the co-main event. And you, the main event, was I need Kevin you to, I need you to to say the best part about three and seven Brendan Hoxie. Uh, I assume you're on Tapology, and oh, yeah. you can see this man's photo <laughs> where he is wearing a Burger King crown. <laughs> I mean, can we talk about like it looks like he's wearing his jock strap? Can we can we talk about this for real? Brendan the rubber reaper hoxie. It looks like he's wearing his jock strap on the outside of his shorts. He's wearing a Burger King crown and he's wearing boxing gloves. And there is definitely a person behind him. Um, it looks like they're in a safety vest with val with like boxes of Valentine's chocolates taped to their arms. And an old person mask. Yeah, I don't know uh, what's going on here, Dude, like I, if, but it's it's electric. Yeah, you need to, if you're listening to this, uh, you need to look up Brendan Hoxie. Because this picture is wild. Yeah, the Rubber Reaper on Tapology 5 and 8. Uh, he ended his career. Doesn't look like he had any big names under his belt other than that. Other than that Dan Lozon fight. Uh, all right. Dan, yeah. Dan wow. Lozon does it. Didn't expect to get this we deep into Parker, hole, Porter, uh, Parker Porter by decision. Uh, frankly, I did. Parker Porter by bet. decision. I'm also on the over, over two and a half. And, uh, you know, continue the heavyweight overs train. But, yeah, the point I was making, I wanted to take Por Por Parker Porter anyway. And then, uh, for some reason, he's plus 105. <sighs> But by decision, when all he does is win decisions, is plus three fifty, I mean, and the gap there seems seems very valuable. I mean, very large. If we make it out of that first round, if we make it out of that first round, things get real. Things get real. The dream stays alive. That's that's all we need Parker to do. Just make it out of that first round, and we can really start talking, man. Uh, uh, you're riding with the heavyweight over with me, even though you're not on the heavyweight uh, yeah. over. You are also right. going to live the same exact oh, yeah. enthusiasm. 
Mark Reporter has a chance to become a hero on Saturday night. That's all I'll say. He's already uh, my hero. He, he can be an American legend going down in Australia and uh, point fighting Justin Toffa to a 29-28 split decision victory because that's all I'll ask for. It is 55 minutes into this podcast, and we are just rounding the bend of the Park Reporter fight. Oh, it works. I don't have shit for almost anything after the main card. I have two bets after the main card. Good, because I'm about to just start throwing stuff out there. Uh, and we can just get on with this. Uh, next fight, last fight on the main card. It's a light heavyweight bout. Jimmy Crude is taking on Alonzo Menafield right now. Jimmy Crude can be had for the great price of minus 205. Alonzo Menafield coming back at plus 175. I don't actually mean it's a great price. I was just stalling to buy time. Um, yeah, so like in terms of a side, Jimmy Crude. Uh, I mean, he's he's coming off of like serious knee surgery and reconstruction. Hasn't fought in you know 15 months. He said like his last four fights, his ACL was completely blown out. Now he's bigger than a minus 200 favorite. Not really that interested in playing that. Also, I just want to say one thing. Just looking back, last time Jimmy Crute fought in December of 2021, he fought Jamal Hill. And he was a favorite. He was a minus 175 favorite against the now light heavyweight champion of the world. And I played him. I played oh. him at that price. And he got knocked out in 48 seconds. The oh end I played him God. is tough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that cuts deep. Uh, I'm not playing a side. I'm playing the under. Um, I parlayed the under two and a half minus 260 with... Viloma look boon me, Elise Reed over one and a half. Win or lose. Seven of Crutes, eight UFC fights ended in the first round. Win or lose. Seven of Menafield's 11 UFC fights ended in the first round. Think we're going to get fireworks. Don't, don't, don't know who wins, but I think it's going to be fireworks. Yeah, so I'm playing a side and I'm taking Alonzo Menafield for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first is, again, Mentioned it previously. Take the better athlete. Uh, Lonzo Menafield is a better athlete any day of the week, particularly when Jimmy Crute's coming off a very long layoff and and the the knee surgery, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and also Lonzo Menafield's looked really good lately. You know, last couple of last couple of times out, uh, just running rough shot over people. Uh, maybe he's turned a corner. Either way, Jimmy Crute is hittable. I think he gets hit. Uh, and so instead of taking oh, Minifield at plus, it. yeah, instead of taking Minifield at plus whatever, uh, you can get Minifield by KO uh, at plus three hundred. And I don't know why you would bet Alonzo Minifield at uh, what is he at plus one fifty five when you could just bet Alonzo Minifield by KO at double that price because ten of his thirteen career wins are by knockout. So I'm going taking against that, the guy that gets hit. Going a guy that gets gets hit, and uh, I don't know if you also know this. Been knocked out. Last time he got knocked out in under a minute. So, yeah, I will say the if reason I have any pause about this at all, I am maybe historically bad at picking Jimmy Crute fights. Uh, my tapology. I definitely six, am. My six predictions on tapology in Jimmy Crute fights, I'm two and four. I am just, I, I he's zigging when I'm zagging. So, uh, I'm not great at picking him. But I'm picking against him, and we'll see how it goes. Can't wait. Can't wait for that one. Let's 
keep it rolling. Let's uh, let's move right along. Let's move to the prelims. It's a light heavyweight bout. Tyson Pedro taking on Modestes Bukakis. Uh, yeah, like I'm not really that confident in this in this play. I did forget to throw out my gimmick for the week. What I will be doing? Uh, very long shot parlay. It is the Outback Steakhouse Aussie parlay. Four Fantastic. legs. I will break those down. First leg is Jack Della, or I guess the last leg technically is Jack Della Madalena inside the distance minus one twenty. That brings us to our second leg in this one. It's Tyson Pedro inside the distance minus one twenty. Uh, I mean, Modestus seems to be the darling dog for everyone. Dude opened up at minus 1,000 and has been bet all the way down to a minus 240. I feel like the minus 240 makes a little bit more sense. Like, I don't have, like, a ton of trust in Tyson Pedro, but... It certainly it, shouldn't be minus 1,000. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Especially with the way Modestus has been looking lately. Uh, but I needed some legs. I needed to get some boost to the Albat Steakhouse Aussie Parlay, the ASAP, or I mean the OSAP, that everybody knows it as. So I took him inside the distance because nine of his wins, all nine of his wins are by first round finish. Pretty much what he does. If he's going to win here, I think he will likely get the finish. Uh, and I think that's what he's going to do. I'm not buying into the darling dog, Modestus Bukakis. Uh, and I'm going to Outback. I'll see you there. Prime agree. I have Pedro inside the distance. Uh, one, better athlete. Just betting the better athlete. Two, I don't know if your research came across this, but uh, it's pretty easy to tell what's going to happen in this one because this is a fight that will be happening in the UFC, and so Modestus Bukakis will lose. Now, if this were a fight happening in Cage Warriors, he would absolutely win this. 100% success rate in Cage Warriors. He may be the greatest Cage Warrior fighter of all time. Uh, if this was happening there, Tyson Pedro would stand no chance. But because it's in the UFC... Uh, Bukakis is what uh, one in one in three in, in the UFC uh, left it. Now he's back. I suspect he'll keep that losing streak on going. Give me Tyson Pedro inside the distance. Uh, another thing that's like weird is that three of his five losses are by getting finished in the first round. So like the math kind of just adds up, you know. You know it. Uh, it, it it is what it is. His one win is over Andreas Michalaitis. The only reason you might know who that person is is because he was the guy that the UFC uh, fed to Alex Pajeta when he came in, and they were like, we need to get Alex Pajeta into a title shot. Let's give him this dude to kill. A great first round. Great first round by Michaelitis. You know, uh, broken clocks right twice a day. Uh, but again, we're in the UFC. This isn't Cage Warriors. Modestus is going to get knocked out because that seems to be what happens to him when he's in the UFC. All right, well, let's keep it moving on to a featherweight bout. Josh Kulabau taking on Melsic Bagdasarian. I was uh, so glad that you put this on on the sheet because I don't I don't have anything, but I I have a thought, and I want to I want to I want you to tell me why I should do something. Okay, so this so should be interesting. Right now, Kulabau minus one twenty, Melsic coming back at plus one hundred. Uh, I just mentioned the the aforementioned uh, OSAP, uh, the Outback Steakhouse Aussie Parlay. This is leg three, uh, and this is probably my least confident leg. I mean, it, I mean, this thing is big. This thing is big. It's it's it, it's a plus thirty two hundred parlay. But what I did here is uh, I did Josh Cool about by decision. I mean, typically when he wins, it is by decision. He's had a tough stretch since entering the UFC. You know, comes in Jalen Turner on short notice. 
uh, draw with Charles Dor- Jordan. Uh, and yeah, I can't really give you a hard sell on this because when you think about it, Melsic Bagdasarian, in my opinion, is going to have the advantage on the feet. Uh, and Josh Kulbao has 0% takedown accuracy. He is 0 for 80, has yet to complete a takedown. Um, so yeah, if it stays standing, like I think it stays close, but like I might favor Melsic. Like I'm just kind of rambling here. I don't really have like a huge sell, but I needed something to jack up the the OSAP. So uh, yeah, Josh Kulbao, smart fighter, smart fighter. You've uh, you've done your job insofar as I won't be placing a bet on this because Good. uh I want to be extremely clear. This fight was the funniest one on the card to me. Uh, because if you, my, this is my job. This is the thing I do every day of the week. It is my profession. I take pride in it, work hard. If you had asked me if either of these men were on the UFC roster, I maybe could have pulled Josh Kulabau because the name yeah, sounds familiar. I looked at, uh, when I was doing research, I looked at Melsic Bagdasari and I was like, oh, who the hell is this that the UFC has signed? Like some random ass dude? Oh, Oh no, he's actually fought, and this is actually will be his yeah. freaking third fight in the UFC. Yeah. And I, I, I am dead certain. I know for a fact. I watched UFC 268, covered it. I know for a fact. I watched Uriah Hall fight Sean Strickland on a fight night card last. Like I know that I covered those things. I, if you put a gun to my head and were like, "Is this man in the UFC?" I would have died because I would have gotten it wrong. And so I want to also be clear: didn't do any research beyond that. But what I will say is I wanted to bet against Kulabau for one specific reason. Because in, in 12 fights, five of those have gone to a split or majority win, draw, or loss. If, you, if you're not fighting the best guys in the world and you are getting, making it so judges are like, I don't know, dude, this is freaking hard. You probably aren't very good is my. It's entirely my thought. I was like, I don't know. If he can't convincingly win in Hex Fight Series, I he probably isn't very good and can't win in the UFC. So I was just going to fade him totally in the dark. But now that you're on him, I won't be doing it because that's not what friends do. Friends support each other. Yeah, man, I uh, I don't have a ton of confidence in this one. Uh, I mean, this is this is the dream to go to Outback Steakhouse, and hopefully that's what I'll be doing on Monday night. But uh, I'm gonna need some help from Josh Kulabau. You wonder how I know Josh Kulabau? He burnt me on uh, UFC 275. I was on uh, I was on who was it? Sungwoo Choi. Is that who we fought? Yeah, Sungwoo Choi. Yes, Sungwoo Choi. Was burnt there. Split decision win though. He handily won that one. I'm pretty sure he got two knockdowns in that. Oh, it's cool. Cool about third round Jordan, isn't he? Oh God. Uh, he, this is the legend where third round Jordan was born. Was cool about. No, 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 no. Because he went to a split decision with Jordan. Yeah, but didn't Jordan win the th- like ten eight third round or whatever? Uh, no, That's I think we had a draw. I think Jordan has the one. Yeah, no, Marcelo Rojo is is the the reason for third round Jordan. Yeah, but that came after this cool about fight where I, if I'm remembering correctly, he like put it on. That's why we got the draw. Is he turned maybe it, up it was in the third round? Yes, and so it's back to back third round. Jordan was a minus four seventy five in that fight, by the way. Yeah, well, third round Jordan, you you had to know, you knew it was coming. I mean, he just. 
You just had to know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to not touch this fight. <laughs> you shouldn't. You shouldn't. And I put 0.1 units on the That's on smart. the uh, Outback Steakhouse Aussie Parlay. So no sweat off my back if you can't get it done. Let's keep it rolling uh, to a men's flyweight bout. I said it perfectly for the world to hear. It is a men's flyweight Four one, baby. bout. Four and one. Listen, dude, as far as I'm concerned, they're 4-0 and because that was a road to UFC fight, not an official UFC bout. So UFC flyweight unders and well, my so it road, only missed by like 30 seconds, too. The finish did come. It just came just like 30-some-odd seconds or whatever after. I mean, Tyra, another first-round finish. I think, I think on all the winners, they've all been first-round finishes. They've been easy money. It has no sweat whatsoever in any of them. Yeah, I can't wait for this one. Clutton Rodriguez taking on... Shannon Ross right now, Rodriguez, minus 325. This number is plummeting. Shannon Ross, plus 270. Uh, I don't know how much it's going to fall further, but he opened at minus 205. Um, I think Clutson's going to win. That's when I hit it at the opener. Uh, I know that doesn't do anything for the listeners, but I think he's going to win. I think I think he's good parlay piece. Shannon Ross, yes. A lot of people will look at his record and be like, oh, he lost in the Dana White Contender Series. Like, why is he getting a contract? He did have appendicitis and a ruptured appendix and appendix in that fight. He's also Australian. Yes, that helps. Uh, If you've ever had an appendicitis scare, it is not enjoyable at all. If you've ever had appendicitis, it is terrible. Uh, So like, I can't really blame him for that, but, but, but beyond that fight, I haven't really been that impressed uh, with, with Shannon Ross. Like, he gets hit, like he leaves opening for his opponent. He's been knocked out, and you know what? I think that's what happened here. I think Clutton Rodriguez knocks him out, cashes the money line for me, cashes the flyweight unders for no bets bar nation, and we move to 5-0 and on the year. Love that. Also on the under. Uh, and I mentioned that I was... You, if you're a listener to this show... You didn't even need to listen to me this week. You knew what I was doing, taking the heavyweight over, taking the flyweight under, and there's a gimmick. There's a gimmick parlay. I know that they don't spell their Rodriguez is the same, but there are two Rodriguez's. There are two Let's favorite go. Rodriguez's on Let's this card. Go. Got, instead of betting Yair straight to do it, because it's not even a good bet, I'm just parlaying him up with the other Rodriguez. Rodriguez parlay, that pays out plus 127, and that's where I'm going to be. Easy money, easy game. Now, when you name it, the Rodriguez parlay, is that with an S or with a Z? I think the best way around it is to do Z, but it's the Rodriguez's, so it's mm. ZS. So it covers them both. I really. love that. ZS, that. It's a perfect way to do it. You get both of them in there. Under, knockout. Or just, or just the hot rod parlay, you know, just the hot there rod. You go. There, so there you go. There we go. That. The hot rod parlay. I love that. Yeah, I mean... I'm, I I don't want to put this on him. Like uh, it's just it's not really right of me. But Clayton Rodriguez, one of the first times in the in the infancy. I'm talking way back before no bets Bard existed, before the idea of flyweight unders had even been birthed. I was in fact still taking flyweight unders, and Clayton Rodriguez, CJ Vergara was a frustrating one to lose that one went all the way to a decision terrible watch i almost swore off flyweight unders that very day i'm glad i didn't because it's been the greatest discovery of all time but clutson rodriguez could become the enemy of the state if he's uh if, no, if we're not, not able not to get the week. under here 
not this week, where the it's too hot. Remember at the beginning of the year when we were like, what if they don't, what if the magic's gone? What if it's not the year? I don't remember that. I don't remember that. It was that <laughs> long ago. Nonsense. I was that naive. I was that dumb. Absolute nonsense. Uh, so there it is. There's the prediction for Clayton and Rodriguez. Next up, it is a lightweight bout. Jamie Malarkey taking on Francisco Prado. Right now, you can have Jamie Malarkey for the enticing price of minus 255 francisco prado coming back at plus 215 the over under set at two and a half under minus 145 over plus 125 is this, is this outback are we out it for this uh no i oh, you're not okay no no no. i just i just have the under on this one uh just because this one's gonna be a banger like if you watch a malarkey fight like he just comes in and chucks him uh in his last four fights he or his opponent someone has gotten knocked down three of them ended in knockouts and like just go back if you want to know about the dog and jamie malarkey and watch him just come back and melt Devonte smith had jamie malarkey had jamie malarkey inside the distance in that one did me proud. The dude is a dog. That is for damn sure. Fantastic finish by him. And then Francisco Prado on the other side. Jeez Louise. Watch like a little bit of tape on him. Like he comes in, finishes on his mind. Never seen the scorecards. 11 and 0. Looks good, man. Looks eight good. Wins, eight wins in the first round. Eight wins in the first round. Hits hard. Dangerous ga- ground game. Getting off the bus. Looks good getting off the bus, too. I'll give it to him. A little Argentinian going on there for him. Looks good. Got the glow of the World Cup win. Uh, I mean, things things are looking up. Now, here's what I'll say. I I do have to throw this out there. If you look at his record. Oh, no, they're terrible. He dude, beat a bunch of bumps. It's tough, man. Like, it's tough. I know he's getting finishes. Like, we joked about it earlier. You can only beat the competition in front of he you. Can. And he's smoking them. But, dude. The, the guys he's fighting is not great. A lot of O&Os, a lot of sub-500 fighters, like 4-13, and 4-8, and eights, uh, like some 21 and 15s. He is not fighting great competition, and he's going. He's taking a huge step up here. I'm not on a side because he could be dangerous. He could be that dude. We just saw it last time with 283. Who was that that took uh, RoboCop's soul? Uh, absolutely flatlined him, and it was a similar situation. Undefeated, one-hitter quitter. Hadn't fought great competition. I can't remember his name. I don't know why. Robocop got absolutely slept. Could happen to Malarkey here. Not on a side. Don't want to pay that price. But I do think it is going to be a hobnob banger and someone gets finished. So you're talking about Bruno Ferreira. Just to throw that Bruno Ferreira. Thank you. Last stat I have to say. Combined between these two dudes, 27 of their 31 fights. Gone under the two and a half. You're giving me minus 145. In front of the Australian crowd, I'll take that. Thank you. So uh, I'm going to be m- making a bet, and I'm going to be making a bet on Prado. Uh, and this, it's partly because he's, look, he, he looks good. Look, looks like he might have some juice, and I don't believe Jamie Malarkey. I don't know. I don't have a ton of faith in Jamie Malarkey to be a favorite at this price. Uh, but also, I would lie. It would be a lie if I didn't say that I realized going down this card, um, picking against Volkanovsky, I am picking JDM, but I'm picking against uh, Tafa. I'm picking against Crute, uh, picking against Cool Bow, picking against Shannon Ross. Oh, I love this. You're just, just anti-Australia. I am enemy of the state for Australia, pretty much. Uh, and so I was like, you know, this is a big number. It's a 20-year-old undefeated kid. Uh, sure, why not continue to do it? So my continued anti-Australian sentiments coming forth. Uh, if you are an Aussie listener to No Bets Bar Nation, 
Uh, Connor loves you. I apparently hate everything that your country stands for. I mean, I love everything about today. about the Australians. Love their culture. I love your Love Island. You have the best Love seems, Island. Seems like a beautiful place. Would love to go there one day. Uh, uh, behind me, I've already got my Tim Tams. I've got my Vegemite. Uh, I've got my uh, my Bundaberg ginger beer. I got a koala hat. I got an inflatable kangaroo. I got Australian flags. I'm ready to go. I'm packing it. I got a uh, Australian core cat. They use it, you know, swing it around and it, and it gets the bugs out of the face. I mean, I'm, I'm ready to go for Saturday. I'm not going to lie. I'm ready to go. Casey O'Neill told me to do a, uh, uh, through Ariel. She told me to do a, uh, it's called a Tim Tam slam. You bite each side of the Tim Tam and I guess they're hollow. And then you chug like a coffee through it. And then you house the Tim Tam. Tim Tams so. are good. Tim Tams You've had are definitely them. good. You've yes, had them. I've never had them. I got every flavor to try. I got the white chocolate. I got the caramel, the dark, the milk. I am ready to roll. Uh, Tim Tams are excellent. So you're offending me by taking Francisco Prado is what I'm saying. Uh, I understand it. Um, and that's fair. But uh, it's where I'm at. And I'm going to, I'm just going to keep taking shots from the hip and see what lands. Let's go. Let's move on to the next one. It's a featherweight <laughs> bout. Jack Jenkins taking on Don Shanus. Uh, right now, you can have Jack Jenkins for uh, minus three thirty-five, minus three forty-five. Now, Don Shane is coming back at plus two eighty-five. Uh, I parlayed up Jack Jenkins with uh, Takugov. That is one of my two parlays. I already laid out the prop one earlier. I'll, I'll go back to that as we get to the next fight. Uh, you talk about level of competition. Wait, you parlayed Jenkins with Takugov. You're not parlaying Jenkins. Isn't the isn't the Outback parlay? He's the final leg of the Outback oh, Steakhouse okay. parlay. Outback Steakhouse Aussie parlay. Sorry, not giving it the proper name there. Jack Jenkins by decision plus two twenty five. That's why the number is gotcha, just so gotcha, juicy. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about <laughs> level of competition. Don Shane is is like the poster boy for. I mean. Less than a year ago, man, just 10 months ago, he was fighting the legendary Jay Ellis, the legend of the 16 and 106 Jay Ellis. This was just April God, of last we year. We love Jay Ellis on this podcast. I mean, he's a legend. If, if you've ever been a man that had to dive deep into tapology and you don't know Jay Ellis, you're doing it wrong because... Jalis is actually a legend. I mean, also, I don't think you've listened to this podcast because we definitely spent twenty minutes talking Jalis. Yeah, time. we don't need to. Get, we don't need to do Jalis again. I can't wait for the damn. They were good. Jalis edition. That's going to be. A f that's going to be an all timer. We have a lot of talk about Gerald Mearshart. His his pair of fights <laughs> against Gerald Mearshart. I'd love to interview Gerald Mearshart about losing to Jay Ellis. That would be... Hey, he got the win back later. You got to give the man... I mean, he got redemption, but the whole world's waiting on Jay Ellis, Gerald Mearshart 3. I, I know, just, it's out there. I don't know if we're ever going to see it. Uh, yeah, I mean, he made the jump. I know it was on super short notice, but he made the jump to Sadiq Yusuf, which is not an easy entry into the UFC. And I mean, it was clear. He got finished in 30 seconds. It was, it was a nothing of a fight. I think he's going to make a a better representation for himself here. I think it's going to go longer. Uh, he might have some success getting the takedowns this time around and being able to use that. But I just think as the fight goes on, Jack Jenkins, I think he's just going to be able to find success. I think he's going to get it done. I think if it, if it stays standing, which I won't be surprised if it does. I mean, Jack Jenkins decent on the ground stuff, a couple of takedowns in the contender series. Uh, I think he gets it done. I think he survives the onslaught in the beginning uh, and he gets it done by decision. That's the last leg of the 
Outback Steakhouse Aussie Parlay, and it is also the second leg of the Jenkins to Kukov Parlay. Fantastic. I have nothing to add, no action, so we can continue onward. Sweet, because you want to talk about short and sweet. It's a women's strawweight battle. Loma Look Boon Me's taking on Elise Reed. Right now, you can get Look Boon Me as a favorite for minus 265. Elise Reed coming back at plus 225. I have nothing to say on the actual matchup itself. Elise Reed, not good. Think Loma Look Boon Me is probably going to win here. Not laying minus 265 on her, though. What I did do, Seaberg special over one and a half, minus 525, parlayed up with, uh, with, uh, Krupp, Menafield under two and a half. Uh, I mean, if you just look at their fights, nine of their combined 10 UFC fights gone over the one and a half. Eight of them have gone to a decision. So there it is. This is my last bet on the card. I'm on the over two and a half. It is parlayed up with Makajev Volk over one and a half and the Yair um, uh, Emmett over two and a half. And it pays Let's out 125. Go. So Let's just go. the nonviolence parlay. The pacifist parlay, as you said last week. Pacifist I mean, you, parlay. You coined that one. I have to give you some credit for that one there. Uh, do you have anything to say about uh, Shane Young taking on Blake Bowder? Uh, go America, because apparently I hate Australia. But no, yes, I have no, no action on this particular fight. All of my bets are done, so you can bring us home. With, yeah, with I, thought, I thought about playing Shane Young, but I just... I'm trying to keep it tighter, and I kept it very tight this week, and I kept it very tight last week, and I had a winning week. So just trying to stay stay tight. We didn't talk about last week. Uh, I would like to say that thank you, whoever decided to not make Ryan Bader a much bigger favorite. Oh, man. Because I was entirely vindicated in being like, this number seems insane. Let's, let me shove a lot of money. And that's the only thing that kept me from having a, a really bad week is I had so much money on Ryan Bader that it all kind of evened out in the end. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was that in the under. And then, I mean, so I did decent and UFC. In the first round. <laughs> so oh yeah. Good. Uh, uh, I did UFC. Uh, I like, I barely broke even like a little bit up, uh, but then I clean swept boxing and Bellator, so I ended up like four and a half units on on the week. So we're we're starting to way, make our way back in the green. Hopefully, we continue that this week. I got a lot of good line movement so far. Got a lot of bets that I feel confident in. So feeling good. Get to the last fight, featherweight bout. Zabira Takugov taking on Elves Brenner, Elves Elvis. Should have looked up how to pronounce uh, I, it. I am going to assume it's Elvis, but. I don't actually know that. Uh, also, Tapology says featherweight. UFC and Sherdog say lightweight. So I think it's probably going to be a lightweight matchup, but I, it doesn't really it, make me... I, I believe it, it It should be lightweight. Yeah. Um, uh, it doesn't really make me that... Zubairo is a lightweight, but I think Brenner's has competed in both. Uh, yeah, it doesn't doesn't really make me too nervous. Did, didn't last time out Zubairo fight at featherweight or am I tripping? Uh, in my head, he's a lightweight, but I guess maybe he could have fought at featherweight. In my head, I just think of him as the the bad lightweight from that group of people. Uh, is that who you're thinking of? Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm mis. I think you're I getting know. this mixed up. Yeah, Takugov's always fought at featherweight. Who are you thinking maybe, of? Because I know who you're thinking of. 
I don't know, but we're already deep into the show, so you just tell tell us what we think on Zoo here. Uh, yeah, I know you're but, taking Zooies in the parlor. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really not too worried about him moving up to lightweight because his opponent is not that big, and he used to be a featherweight himself. Uh, Brenner, I mean, again, kind of feels like weird for this card being such a big-time pay-per-view in Australia, kind of top-heavy. A lot of these guys making their UFC debuts, a lot of them really have not had that great of competition like Brenner is four and three in his last seven against nobody's against essentially can't Kugov five, two and one fighting in the UFC. Uh, I mean, I think he's the way better striker in this situation going off of minimal tape study on Brenner. I mean, I probably logged 15 minutes, nothing, nothing too crazy there. Uh, he's used to trying to take it to the mat. I mean, he, he gets almost three takedowns a fight. Uh, probably not the best move here because if Brenner has anything, he has the ability to submit people. But at the end of the day, dude, I just think this is a huge step up in competition uh, for Brenner. I, I really don't think he's he's fully prepared for for what's to come, and and I think he's probably just either going to get outpointed or or Takugov is just going to finish him. I mean, he does have three knockdowns uh, in the UFC, so uh, that's what I'm doing. Takugov, Jack Jenkins. There's the parlay, and, and that's it. That's that's the show, ladies and that gentlemen. That is UFC 284 Australia, almost an hour and a half later. Top-heavy card, I'm not going to lie. Super top-heavy. Before we get out of here, though, Connor. Tell me. We, gotta, we have to at least throw it out there. It's a big weekend. It's a Super Bowl. Do you have any oh. Super Bowl action down before we exit? <laughs> so Anywhere far. you feeling any thoughts that you're going with here? I know this isn't you know where, we, where our bread is buttered, but we got to throw it out here. Once a year, you know. Yeah, like a low-key, I can't lie. I wish you hadn't just sprung this on me. So I do a, a yearly meeting of the minds. Me and my boys get together on the, the Thursday before the Super Bowl. I mean, Super Bowl, I typically end up with like 20 to 25 bets. Oh, I, I, have, I get so many bets down dude, on this. Like most of the times, I, I don't win. I don't end up winning money. But Lord knows I have such a blast. I mean... I think I talked about it on this podcast. One of the greatest bets of all time was me and all my boys cashing. Uh, it was uh, Kyle Juszczyk, fullback for the San Francisco 49ers, over a half reception and over eight and a half receiving yards, cashed both those at the same time with one play when he scored. We went so just absurdly crazy and no one knew why. Uh, and it was just, it was, it's a special moment that will always live in my head. I love betting on the Super Bowl. Love betting on the Super Bowl. I love the coin toss bet. Oh, you uh, do it. You Draft do the coin King. toss. I've never done it. So DraftKings has it up at uh, at even money. So it's not, you know, minus 110, minus 110 where you're just paying the juice. It's just a straight pay 100 out love at that it. point. At that point, that is a, literally a mathematically fine bet you are getting nobody's gaining an edge there so there's no reason not to just not to just flip the coin uh i i just anthem guy uh usually i just i i usually go for the over almost just offhandedly and see how it works just because i i feel like in that in that moment people are gonna they're going to stretch, you know, because that that's this is their time to shine. There, there was one year where a, uh, a hypothetical time got thrown out there, and it was uh, pretty close to the exact millisecond. And, uh, yeah, I bet pretty heavy on the over that year, and it uh, it did work out. I mean, there's 
Super Bowl betting is just a so great many shenanigans like, going you just, on. You just put in the dumbest bets with you and all your boys. You eat a bunch of great food, and you just get into some dumb shit. Especially because I'm a Falcons fan, and uh, only one time in history of my life, actually two, I was very young against the Broncos in '98. Uh, my team's never in it, so I just mm-hmm. kind of get to shoot the shit and have some fun. Uh, we we get together, we watch it. I always just bring like a big pile of cash, uh, and then we make prop bets during the game against each other not on oh, things awesome. that you could do but just like all right next commercial break the first commercial will have a dog who wants this yes, yes i love that <laughs> and then we end up just trading five dollars around all night on oh, top of doing all the other stuff that you do in those i love the super bowl i love gambling on the super bowl and i think i'm gonna take the the eagles think i'm going to be betting pretty pretty heavy on the eagles uh because this money line is very close and i it, in my head it seems like the eagles should win yeah i'm not gonna lie dude like uh i don't know what i'm gonna do sometimes i don't even take a side sometimes i just do i just do dumb dumb stuff like i love like i love like the combined jersey number of all touchdown scores like i love like dumb bets like that the dumber the bet the better for me those I will bets never be... are the most fun I will never be a long-term profitable gambler outside of MMA, and I've just sort of accepted that. And uh, yeah, I just like to have fun when I'm not betting on MMA. Will there will there be a flea flicker? No, a, is minus two eighty, and frankly, I think that's a phenomenal bet. Uh, an all-time bet that me and my boys had to chase for four years is over under players to attempt a pass, and it's always set at two and a half. So essentially, mm-hmm. just like a flea yeah, flicker or like a wide receiver reverse. So. We or took it up. one year. We took it one year. It was that same year with the with the Niners and Chiefs. And Debo Samuel got the reverse and he cranked the arm back. And me and all my boys. Now, granted, this was when I was working at ESPN and I had to work it. So we're all at work <laughs> acting like just complete degenerates. And he cranks his arm back and we're all like, Debo, be a hero. And then he tucks it and runs and like it hurt my soul so bad. So we took it the year after and the year after. And then last year, it finally cashed uh, on the Bengals and the Rams. I can't remember who was our hero, but I mean, it was just such an all time moment. I wasn't with all those same friends, but we still have a group chat. And uh, I mean, it was just a magical moment. The group chat just blew up so hard. That's electric. I love the novelty props. Octopus? Will it be an octopus plus 1400? <laughs> Let's go. Last year, last year, I have to say, we got four players that attempted to pass. Cooper Cup, Joe Mixon on top of Stafford and Burrow. Dude, there's just so many fun things in the Super Bowl. And that's why this weekend's going to be great. We get a little UFC 284, rest up, Super Bowl. I'll lose all my money, all the money that I've built up over the past three years. You want to know my plans for the weekend? I'm rerouting. I'm calling an audible. Uh, shout out to Peyton Manning. Calling an audible. Omaha? on my long run doing it saturday and then just enjoying everything for the rest of the weekend gonna get up gonna do the long run on saturday then i'll do do ufc 284 and i know i'm gonna be up late as hell and i'm the watch party and everything not gonna want to do the run on sunday especially because of the super bowl i'll sleep my ass in on sunday wake up ready to roll for the super bowl i might actually do that what's your long run like this these days What, what are you supposed to hit this weekend uh, 10 last week. I did nine. Good knees, you. knees starting to hurt a little bit. I, I just don't think I'm built for the long run game. I, I think I'm more of a 5k guy. I I think half is the right. I, so I, I know the listeners are very aware that you're 
running a half. I'm running a marathon uh, in April. Psycho. I did. I did 13 this past weekend, and it it hit it hit pretty hard. I'm supposed to do it again. That moment uh, when you're at like mile eight, nine, like around that area, and the you can just like low key feel your body like just being like, let's stop, dude. Like let's let's not run anymore. See, my mile, that's like where I feel the best is when I hit like eight and nine. That's when I catch that second wind. It's when I get over double digits that it's just like, oh, this is now miserable. Every runner really knows the feeling. This. Like it is just like, yeah. it's just your body is just like, all right, dude, we've done enough, man. Like, let's call this. Been out here for closing in on two hours, man. This doesn't need to be going anymore. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, yeah. uh, can't wait. Should be a fantastic weekend. Uh, UFC 284, Super Bowl stateside, if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, champ versus champ. Can't wait. Back next week. Back next week with what, what some are saying is a card of the year. The most contender. electric event of the year. Nah, real shit. Got to be the worst card I've ever seen. Just going just gonna to throw it out there. I, I just, I just I have to know, say. I don't know, man. That feels like it's... Until the weekend after, the weekend after next week is, I would, I think, worse. You but think so? We'll talk about. It. I really like next week's main event. I know the rest of that card is is poop and a half. Next week's main event is very very good fight. Here's uh, all I have to say: that that following weekend, we at least have KSW, the hottest promotion in the world right okay, now. Well, the, to me. KSW. If we're talking a weekend, then no. But I'm just talking about event to a UFC event versus UFC event. All right, UFC event versus UFC event. Taylor Santos versus Aaron Blanchfield. I will give you that. That is better than Nikita Krylov versus it's better Ryan than Span. anything that's happening on Span. Because Andre's not competing that weekend either. He's he's out of the Almeida fight. Tatiana Suarez is coming we back. At least Tatiana on Suarez, which is like the one thing that's pretty cool. Plus. And there's a flyweight belt. People sleep. People belt. sleep on this. As much as I love Jelton Almeida, as much as I love JDM, he hasn't fought in a while. I also have a strong man crush on my man Andre Muniz. Oh, and he I will be going. Love Andre Muniz. Absolutely love Andre Muniz. He is. You and everyone wants the matchup. Give Andre Muniz, give Alex Pereira Andre Muniz, and, and I'd be curious to see what happens. If he can touch the power, it would be bad news. I believe pretty calm. I feel good that Andre Muniz would win that fight. I love Andre Muniz, but these are for a different time. We're Man. too deep into this game. Let's get the hell out of here. I'm actually, dude, I'm looking at it. it is other than Andre Muniz, they're all bad. <laughs> Both of these fight cards collectively, you could make one okay fight night card. But, Zach Paga, Jordan Wright. But then we're at 285 after that. And then it's the return of John Jones, et cetera, et cetera. But sure, that's sure, all sure, for sure, later. Sure. March, is, March, is gonna be fire. March is going to be fire. We're an hour and a half into this. Uh, UFC Apex 69. We at least have that going for us. UFC Apex Boom. 69 next week. Nice. Santos versus Blanchfield. See you then. Peace. Love you guys. Media Podcast Network.